Hello and welcome to the Unmissables podcast, your weekly trawl through the world of popular culture, mainly television. I am Boyd Hilton. I'm looking right now at Steph Seelan. No, it's scary. Yeah, it's scary I'm sorry, I was a bit, bit staring yeah, there, wasn't I? Know, I? It was a bit... Apo- apologies. It's okay. And now I'm going to turn a look to my right to Kay Ribeiro. Hello. The three of us, we are your Unmissables team. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. John's there in the corner. Just gave a lovely thumbs up. Gave a lovely thumbs up, yeah. Now, this week's main meet, in which we shall preview and review major television programmes and one film, are The Bold Type, which is set in the world of Lady Women's Magazines. Which, <laughs> Lady Women? Which is where we all work. Well, John doesn't, but we do, us three do. We all work for, a, it's women that buy heat, isn't it? How, like something like 90%, was it, I last time it we is, looked? Yeah. yeah. So Please call them by their official Lady Women. Lady Women. Yeah. So um, this is a thing that we should all know about, like the backs of our hands. So we, mm-hmm. we I feel like the main reason to do this show, I mean, it's, it's a big show. It's on Amazon Prime, starting next Friday. It's been on in America already. It's just, we have our own insight into we how realistic, yeah, yeah, realistic or not, it is. Mm. No spoilers, no, no spoilers. No. Um, so The Bold Type, that's coming up. Flatpak Empire is a three-part observational documentary series about the whole world of Ikea. Yes. First time they've ever let anyone in, cameras into their world, yeah. Steph. I know. Or as my mum calls it, Ikea. Ikea. <laughs> yeah. I love Ikea. Ikea. Yeah. I bet that's... Maybe in Sweden. Ikea. Maybe in Sweden is Ikea. Makes it sound yeah. more exotic. Yeah. yeah. And finally, we are in our occasional series of Oscar-worthy films. We reviewed a few so far, haven't we? Oscar film. Ding! Yeah. Please don't forget Thanks. the Oscar ting. Yeah. It is a thing. This week, the, the nominations came out. Or last week, actually, now you're listening to this. In fact, a week ago, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, they came out. And Phantom Threads, the new film by legendary director Paul Thomas Anderson of Boogie Nights fame, got six nominations. Ooh. No less. Including Best Picture. Six noms. Six noms. Nobs. Like, what were the other nominations? Best Actor, obviously. Actor. Actress. Music. Um, supporting Actress, Leslie Manville. Music, correct, from Johnny Greenwood, out oh. of Radiohead fame. Right. Um, and Costume Design. Uh, of, yes. course. Of, course. of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. Nice. Uh, so we'll talk about that. And um, and then we'll talk some about other stuff right now, which we've seen and been doing and listening mm-hmm. to and reading. And who's going to start with that? As usual, it's going to be Steph Sealand. Steph? It's going to be me. Right. Well, is it? Are we, should we do our special NTA look oh, back first? Yeah, let's have yeah, a little do chat that? about the NTAs. Because we all went to the NTAs last week. Didn't a week we? ago, in fact. Yeah, yeah. And a week ago. And obviously, you'll have all listened as, as podcast devotees, as people Pog on lovers. the ground. Pod lovers, you'll have listened to our special extra episode in which we sat down with NTA host Dermot O'Leary and we went through our predictions of what was going to happen in the awards. And on this piece of paper, I have in my hand a piece of paper, oh as Neville Chamberlain once said, <gasps> but something less important. Yeah, our predictions as to what we thought was going to win at the NTAs. Well, I, when I was when I was kind of listening to who won, I yeah. thought, oh, we were right on loads of things. I thought, I can't remember. Well, See, I was listening, and then I remembered that I couldn't remember any of our predictions. No. So this is quite uh, useful. It's all a blur. I can't remember any of it. So, <laughs> so this I'm is just to, basically us self-congratulating ourselves or for getting not. things right. Well, if okay. we got it wrong, then we when, could be exposed to charlatans at this right. moment. No yeah. experts okay. at really all. Important. No, Idiots. and I'm genuinely. None of us have seen John. Very kindly typed this out onto a piece of paper. He best. gave it to us. I have not unfolded the piece of paper. This is live I, podcast I action. It is folded. This could be the most <gasps> exciting moment. Oh my God, this is like I'm, gonna, the I'm about to unfold it. It's kind of like the Oscars. It could be like when they unfolded it and they got Moonlight wrong and it was. Oh, yeah, read the wrong answer. Yeah, read the wrong answer. Be fun for no one. Right, here we go. Okay. So, first of all, 
I can reveal that I'm just looking. Oh, God, it's a bit half, half and half and half seems to be my my early uh, Ooh, my early conjecture. Okay. Okay. So there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen categories. See, see, I'm going to get you two to guess how many we got right. I love the way you actually us. counted all them all. Yeah. Then. So there's like. <laughs> Two, oh, God, he's going to do it again. <laughs> That's it. One, two, three. Just um, you make yeah. a cup of tea while Boyd yeah. just yeah. comes to terms with this bit of paper. I'm coming to terms with it. It's a lot to take in. It Steph. is, okay. Because sometimes, like, you know, we all agreed on what would be the winner, yeah. which gets a tick. And then was it just sometimes me then who was sometimes, right? Then um, sometimes, like, Dermot, uh, so Dermot decided what would be the winner, and then we We, we can't be blamed so for Dermot's okay. errors. Just, 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 <laughs> just go for gold. Just start with the first one. Thanks for that. Direction. Yeah. It's a round. That's what I'm here. Best for. challenge show was I'm a celebrity. But we all said I'm a celebrity. And we all said got yeah. it right. Fine. So we, so we were right. Tick. Yeah. Tick. Congratulate. Pat on back. Crime drama. Dermot said it was Line of Duty. Yeah, it should have been Line of Duty. And it was actually Broadchurch. I think we kind of. Did we? Did anyone? Say I, I feel like Dermot messed it up for us. And yeah. but I don't think any of us thought it was going to be Broadchurch. Yeah. So the the, the categories where Dermot pronounced. Mm-hmm. We're going, we, we all mentioned whether you got it right or wrong, and then we didn't. We we let him decide, right? When were the, ch- the categories we went through with him, and there are other categories where we all. So we'll be shaming picture. him, really. So it's kind of it was shaming him a bit, yeah. yeah. So let's hope he doesn't listen <laughs> to this podcast. So he got line, but I mean, really, morally, it should have been line of duty. Yeah, I why think. wasn't it? Because Broadchurch is a bigger hit. Broadchurch is Broadchurch. Someone commercially, me, commercially, yeah. And this is all decided by real people, so it's all. It I think kind it's of, rubbish that Broadchurch won. It, I th- line of duty should have won. Yeah, rubbish I mean, is a bold, bold statement. No, but I just think, as in, I, line of duty was superior. I just yeah, but it's decided for by public votes. Yeah, and, I know. But Broadchurch I, was ITV's biggest strum hit. So I was about. To to say for like the last five years, so it's it really. Right, I'm have... grumpy about it though. Just want to tell you, you do. You look grumpy. You do. Talent show. Um, it's his. Brin's got talent ish. Dermot didn't commit. He didn't. No. Oh, I didn't interesting. Yeah, interesting. Um, drama. Dermot thought it might be Game of Thrones. He also thought it might be Liar. In fact, it was neither. It was Dr. Foster, which I think I got right. May I say in the magazine? You actually, I think you said you wanted her to win. Yes. Well, that, that, there's another catch. So Derm sat on up. the fence and still got it wrong. Yeah, got it wrong. Damn it. TV presenter, funnily enough, no one got it wrong. It was Anton Deck. Oh, well, for the eight thousandth year in yeah. a row. Wait, will will they ever not win it? No. No. They have to change the rules. I had this chat right with, with various people on the night of the NTAs. Okay. And I said well, they either got to change it so that the public come up with all the nominees and then experts like us vote. Yeah. Like a panel, a jury. Yeah. Or the, the other way around. Or a jury comes up with all the nominees and then the public vote. If they do it this way, or they do half and half like the soap awards. But the thing they can't stick with this format. Otherwise, they're still th- every year and year out the same people are going to win. Gonna the only thing wrong. is, if the judges chose the nominees and the public got to vote, there's mm. no way that the judges like I wouldn't say that Anton Deck shouldn't be on the list. So they'd still be on the list, and the public would still vote for them. In that category, yeah. But in that, I mean, there's loads of other stuff. So we're going to get in a minute to, um, for example, serial drama. You know, the same obviously. Same, I mean, there are only a minimal number of soaps up yeah. there. Serial drama. Uh, you know, Emmerdale won. You, you said Corey. Oh, I Ooh. thought you said Emmerdale. No, no. Oh, I thought she did Soap say Queen. Mm. Oh, Scuppered. give us your is this crown. A, is this the moment you, you have been? From yep. yep. My soap column. Yep. Hand over the soap column yep. to Steph, who never watches <laughs> yep. them. I, I don't watch soap it. dogs. Yeah. There's a lot of dogs in soap. <gasps> soap dogs. Factual entertainment. Funnily enough, Steph said in her obsession with dogs, for the love of dogs, which didn't win... 
you and I said Gogglebox, which did win. Oh. But there's a little moral victory for you there. Because there of is course, a huge moral victory for Paul me. Paul O'Grady got a special award yeah. to acknowledge just how incredible For the Love of Dogs was, which must have been like your peak, yeah. peak Steph's. And he came, into the, um, he came into our photo shoot room and I, was, I almost fainted. Yeah, did you? Yeah, I love Paul O'Grady. Yeah, he's he great. didn't have a dog with him though. I, I wish he know. had. But yeah. he did have Olivia Atwood from Love Island pretending to be a dog while she was in the photo with him. Nice. Yeah. Which is a whole other story, guys. It's a whole other story. By the way, Dermot was very, very proud of how he looked after that dog on stage because Dermot had to. Had it was amazing. We had a chat dog. with him yeah. about it because yeah, yeah. that is quite hard on live TV for a dog not to go crazy. And yeah. he had little treats in his he's pocket. He's a professional rescue dog. He's they a know pro. how to behave. Comedy. We all got it right. Peter Kay's. Of course. Of course. Triumph. Newcomer Kay, you did get this right. Well Danny. Done, Someone yeah. called Danny Walters. From EastEnders. Yeah, but uh, Kay said they, he was going to get it because he was fit. Yes. But, but that doesn't matter, doesn't matter why she got it right. She got it right. Oh, no, facts I'm not saying. You know, and that's probably no. why he won it. Yeah, but that's what she said. Yeah, she got it right. She got everything right. Daytime, we all predicted. This morning, right, this is an example. Every year in, year, year, in, year out, this morning wins. And mm-hmm. if it's judges judging it, I'm just saying it might not, you know, in the future. And finally, TV judge, we all got it right, David the Walliams. A worthy winner. A worthy mm. And he was there for the first time, I think, as far as I'm aware, I think it's the first time he's ever been there to pick up uh, certainly a, a solo award. He doesn't usually go, I Why don't didn't think. you get him into our photo shoot? Because he left. He, David left before even the show had finished. Why? After his award? He was back go? home, feet up, in bed, like by the time Ant and Deck got up to collect their award. Why? Did he have the right idea? He's a busy man. He's a busy man. He probably has to get up to go and go off to do BGT auditions in somewhere. Unlike us, we were there till 3 a.m. Yeah, we were 3 a.m. Yeah. In the the loading bay, dismantling that set, (laughs) taking the ladder down, saying, Excuse me, Holly Willoughby, we've got to get this ladder through. Thanks very much. By the way, Pogs, if you want to see the results, the fruits of our labour, the photo shoot that we did at the NTAs is in this week's issue. So do please pick it up, and then that 3 a.m. Finish time will be worth it. It will. Bottom line, though, is that we got more right than we got wrong, that's for sure. All right, so we can continue doing this then. We'll continue. Yeah, yeah. I'm considering it to be a triumph. But it does help, as I've said, that the NTAs is the most predictive of all TV (laughs) shows because they're kind of the same every year. That makes us sound useless, though, because if it's that predictable, we should have got them all right. Shame on us. It's it's a gloss over. It's a gloss over. It's a gloss over. Apart from that, does anyone have any other highlights they want to mention about the NTAs before we go on to the other stuff we've been enjoying this week? Um, oh, we got Ramesh Ranganathan, who Steph and I both love yeah, into our area. We love him. Was he funny? Yeah, he was funny. Although he gave the, uh, the, the shoot was a police lineup and we got all of them to pose with funny props. And the question was, what's the naughtiest thing you've done? And then his answer was, oh, when he was in his mid-twenties, he went into this pub and the landlord was hideously racist to him. So in the middle of the night, he came back and threw, like, I think he smashed the window or something. And then he was like, oh, that's criminal, isn't it? I was like, hmm, Okay. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, still wanted for that yeah, crime. So you exposed a major celebrity's criminal act. Yeah. And there could be a, could be a, I'd wonder if this is, I don't think there's a statute of limitations, is no, there in British no, no, law? No. But so he didn't name the pub, guys. Could have okay. been any pub. He still could belatedly be arrested. If you put that in oh print. Oh my God, no. Look what yeah, you've we done. Have. Look what we've done. Poor Ramesh. I... Okay. Could be an interesting <laughs> new turn in his life. I chased Steph? Lauren Goodger around Just downstairs. Just for the sake of it. Yeah, to try and get her up there. She said, oh no, I'll come in, I'll come in 10 minutes. Do you know what I did? I didn't leave her side. I said, come, come in now then, come on. So she basically came in to get rid of you? Yeah. That's, that's, how, I get, that's how I get most people to hang around with me. 
yeah. So then she came in and she was very, very sweet, I have to say, Lauren Goodger. Mm. And she was very shy and I thought she was lovely. Yeah. Obviously, Paul O'Grady came in. That was amazing. Um, Graham Norton. Graham Norton. Pip Schofield. Candies from the Bake Off. We yeah. had them all in there. We did have them all. The, the draw was we had loads of sweets in there and then the people went crazy for the sweets. Dermot yeah. actually wanted to take the Dolly Mix home. Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't you ever take it home? No, I did. Because that cost I us like three pounds. No, no I joking. said to him, I kept saying to him and his lovely wife, Dee, do you want them? Do you want them? And they were like, yes, of course we want them, but we can't, we haven't <laughs> got anywhere to put them. And I, and I was like, well, just hold them. Yeah. And like, That's no. what your pockets are for, Dee. Yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. Anyway, there you go. Excellent. And what other stuff have you been enjoying well, listening to, Steph, that's on Netflix? No, no, no. no. I'm a new woman wow. in 2018. Okay. I'm gonna things that I finished. Okay. I finished Requiem. You know, last Requiem. Requiem. The last pod I said I'm gonna do it yeah, tonight. And yeah. I did. Oh. I finished it. How far have you two got? Three. So I'm gonna pass three. First episode. Wow. I will watch it though. Is it, is it you know what I'm gonna say? It's another R word. Is it going to be a Riverdale situation? Oh, yeah. No, I'm no, I'm watching it. I am going to watch it without a doubt. I've, I want to watch it. Yeah. Okay. I'm reviewing it on the radio program on Monday, and I'm going to say I've seen the whole thing. I want to be able to say that in a slightly smug way. You know, give me that. Extra. Well, the well, way I, that I'll Steph tell you is what now happened. saying it. I can tell you what happened. Well, don't tell me what happened. But is it good? Is it satisfying? I think it needs us to thoroughly dissect Ooh, it. But I, I sense was... a slight note of criticism. There is. I do have a slight note of criticism. Um, but I cannot, without spoiling it, tell oh, you why. But okay. um, yeah, it's it wraps it up and it's all your questions are answered. So that's okay. good. Okay. And Satisfying on that level. I know that Kay's already finished it and then I finished Kiri because I wanted to talk to Kay about it. So that's been finished. And oh, we've all finished Kiri. Oh, have you finished yeah. Kiri as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, but we're going to discuss that when it's finished on live TV. Is it still not finished on live TV? I've no, lost track. No, episode three was this week. Okay. Okay. Hold your horses. Whoa. Right. So... I started watching on My Five, yes, not Netflix, what? the new series of Will and Grace. I was a huge Will and Grace fan. Mm. So I was like, oh, I've been waiting for it to come out. It'd been promoted so much. I was like, let me see. if it, I was kind of like, oh, looking like, oh, is this going to be terrible? But actually, I still love it. And it was still good. It's exactly the same. So Karen, Will, Grace and Jack, they're all back. And they do this really hilarious thing in the first episode where they kind of do a catch up of where they are, where they just talk about exactly what's happened. Right. Here's where we are. We didn't get married. I got divorced. Um, no, we don't have any kids. So because it's in end, a funny way or a really no, it is obviously funny. clunky. It is, no, okay. it's funny. And um, no, just the way she was saying it. So um, Will and Grace are back living together. And um, Karen is still there and Jack's still living across the hall. And but what they've done is it's like they've taken it's very political so in the first episode Grace is um, decorating the Oval Office and Karen is best friends with Melania Trump so it's, <laughs> it, is re- it is really funny I really like I really liked it now it's let me just on. say Everyone I watched it. that episode I thought it was funny I thought it was but did you like I, what, Grace my, I thought it was what no it's I'm not a big fan well then there you go but I watched it and I thought what they do, they've done in this episode is and now every episode I've seen before, I'm not a huge fan, but it's vaguely believable, isn't it? I mean, it's not a particularly... They seem to have gone bonkers. And this, there's scenes, Kay, let me just say, in the Oval Office, where no one else is there, apart from, like, Will and Grace and this other character, doing what they want. There's no security. They're just allowed to run them up. Why are they, in the why are they of, there? And I just because thought, what are they... Because Grace is um, it's redecorated. Yeah, but it's it, of course it's preposterous. It's supposed to be preposterous. It was so ludicrous. I was like, no, I couldn't... No, I really like... But you, oh, I thought it was not, so shoehorned. They're trying you, to you, be political about Trump. I thought it was um, I really like... I thought it was... Uh, if you love Will and Grace, I still think you will enjoy it. Probably. Okay. Because I really I really love it. That's my only note of disagreement, sorry. Okay. You have to suspend... Oh, you really do. Your belief. 
yeah. system. You're well, holding it. somehow get into the Oval Office. If you can get But having said that, Donald Trump is a president. But the whole point is, is that the whole point is, is that to bring Karen forward in the character, she's obviously going to be best friends with Melania Trump. That's the that's you have to buy into their whole worlds. And oh yeah, coincidentally, the other dude had an affair with the bodyguard or whatever. Yeah, it was all it was all very. I mean, it just it it, it, it just too much for me. Let's not get stuck up on it. I think I think we have to leave it to the people on the ground. Pogs, if you've been listening, if you've watched it, get in touch with us. Let us know who you agree with. Team Boyd or Team Steph? K intervention. It is. It's Kvention. Kvention. Now the other thing I've been watching was actually something that was recommended to me by my dear friend John Dan. John Dan. Yeah. And he texted and said, Steph, have you seen this? You will love this. And you know what? He was absolutely ruddy bloody right. It is on BBC iPlayer, if you want to catch up. It is called Love and Hate Crime. Oh, God. No. Here we go. It's John, why are you encouraging her in this? It's absolutely brilliant. So it's about, it's a new series about hate crimes in America. And they've all got an element of um, some kind of passion to them. But... Hence the title. Crucially... Sorry, I'm not going to be putting up with this the whole episode, so you better just buck up your ideas, okay? You have what you want to say about Will and Grace. It's a buck up. Yeah. Okay. So the episode one is about a man who kills his girlfriend. So he's in jail, he's killed his girlfriend, but there's a twist. And that's what all of these have got. There's a bit of a she's twist where you discover that there's more to the... She, she, what did you say? She's half she's alive. Like, she's, how can you be half alive? I don't know. How can you be what half alive? What is the twist? You can't he be murdered half her. alive. No, there's a twist in the tale of him, why he she's murdered her. Tale. Okay. Anyway, Kate's doing even more than me. <laughs> the pair I, of you. I'm sorry, not, I have a pair got, of you. I would say I have got a cold and I've taken a dose of medicine before I came in, so I can't be held to. I don't know what account. kind of excuse that is. Carry on. Anyway, I'll carry on. <laughs> mm. um, so there, I think there's four up on iPlayer at the moment, but really, really good. So it's a true crime, like um, it's a true crime, and the per- the perpetrator of the crime speaks to you from jail, um, and then you reenact the whole, they reenact the whole crime. I don't, but yeah. Do you know what, both of you, I'd just like to say now, I hate you both. Sorry. 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 No, that is, that sounds brilliant. Boys, you have been rude. I'm going to watch that. Anything Are you going to watch it? Yes. Okay, because I want to talk about it next week. I want to know what this twist is, yeah. Yeah, it's a good twist. You've enticed me. Good. Very well. And nothing on Netflix. I don't watch anything on Netflix. Jesus Christ. It's because we've called her predictable, and rightfully so, she's now done a about turn. I like this. K-Van. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about the birthday party, Boyd. Let's, K. Right, so we went to, uh, Boyd and I went to the theatre on Friday, aka date night. Um, it's the first time, now, not to sound like a Philistine, but I don't know a lot about Harold Pinter. I've never read any of his plays or been to any of his plays. So I Philistine. Was a, yeah, total Philistine. So um, I was very excited about that. Um, Boyd, you've studied Pinter, have you? Of course he bloody has. No, he wrote it so up your alley. No, he wrote a dissertation. Of course he did. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah. I wrote wrote like an epic uh, (laughs) thing about him. (laughs) Fatty Liver, I think it was. Are you going to make that available to the park? (laughs) No, I mean. He told me, he can't remember, obviously, because his memory is notoriously terrible. But someone like um, of note, like a, did ask him to read it. Yeah. And you did dig it so out. So actually, Pogs, if you want, if you want like some <laughs> nighttime reading about Boyd's thoughts, how many words printer? is it? Ninety thousand. No, I think it was about ten thousand off the top of my head. And yeah. what was the crux of it? It was about I can't. I mean, it was about the existential crisis in in Harold Pinter plays. You know, because they're all about pretty much all mm-hmm. all of the big Harold Pinter plays, the birthday party, the caretaker. No Man's Land, Betrayal. They're all about... Depressing. Yeah, the, they are kind of, to an extent, about power relations between human beings and what, why are we so desperate for, for pa- to have power over each other and that kind of... That's, that's, that's what it's about. 
Yeah, so and this I, one in particular, which is one of his, I think it was his second play, written in the late fifties, mm. and famously um, was so controversially baffling that it got terrible reviews when it came. Now, because it's a classic, carry on, mm. Kay. So I had neither <laughs> read up on Pinter nor read Boyd's dissertation. Uh, <laughs> it all well, came as a glorious surprise enough. to me. Yeah. Right. So, I warned you, didn't I? Warned you when no, you didn't. I did. What you, no, Boyd, what you did, not only did you not warn me, afterwards you said, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you about that. Yeah. It Another, like a classic and just quickly Boyd. before I do a little review of the play, what I would say is also during the interval, which I know is of no importance other than to us in this room, is that Boyd went to buy me an ice cream. Oh, that's kind right? of him. Really kind. He, he said, like, hey, do you want an ice cream? I'll, go, mm. I'll get it. It's on me. I was like, thanks, Boyd. Oh, strawberry. I went for vanilla. Okay. Um, Hogan dust. And he came back and he goes, oh, now the thing is, I only had um, enough cash for one. I was like, oh, that's fine. And Boyd. he ended up eating it himself. So <gasps> Here's the full version of that story. Okay. I went, I said, to, I was, I'm going to get an ice cream. She went, I'm okay. I said, do you want one? She went, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. So I said, are you sure you don't want one? She went, um, oh, okay, I will, yeah. What's over now? So the answer so was yes. Eventual, yes. Eventual, Thank eventual, you, eventual, yes. It was an eventual was yes. yes. So then I go out. We're in the middle of the row. We're in the middle of the row. And this, this the theatre. I'm getting the Harold, in the middle of the row. The Harold Pinter mm-hmm. Theatre has the least amount of legroom I've ever seen in a theatre. What I'm hearing is excuses. Yeah, we'll get same. to the yeah, exactly. purchase. So I get out to the, to the man with the, with the ice creams. Uh, get to the f- queuing up. Man. Get to the front. Four pounds fifty each. Mm. I wasn't expecting that. I have to say. Going right. Going Four right. pounds fifty <laughs> each for a little right. tub. Is Boyd, it? we've had ice cream in the theatre together before. You know. Oh, he's, he's never like, bought it. Yes. You so anyway, that's the key. I had about eight pounds seventy-five. So not, did you try and do a deal? <laughs> I tried to do it. Wasn't having any. No, his deal was. Wouldn't have taken the car machine was closed. Wouldn't car machine. He didn't have a car machine. He said there is another place in the foyer. Can go. Went to the foyer. Their car machine wasn't working either. I mean, it's just, honestly, I'm not making this up. Okay. So, so, and also I mean, if you did, it would be boring. They'd run out of vanilla. Then I went back to him, paid for vanilla, got back to the squeeze, squeezed past, gave it to Kay. Right. I gave it to Kay. This is the key moment in the story you have to think about. Do you know what this I story is? I gave the vanilla. I wanted strawberries okay. and cream. Okay. I didn't get strawberries. Oh, no, 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 Boyd, I bought Boyd, an ice cream Boyd, for Kay Boyd, and right. I gave it to her. All right. Boyd, listen to me. This story is second only to that Gogglebox person's dream that Kay reenacted the other oh, day. Okay? No, I didn't Let do it. Just, I'm Sid, sorry. Sid Siddiqui, I it didn't is, do that though. justice. I mm. let him down. But I feel but, I have done this story justice. Mm, I'm not sure. What I would say is, Pogs, if anyone is remotely interested, I know you're not, but if you are a little bit interested in this story, and you want to see crucial evidence, oh. I have got it. I've got a picture of Boyd eating it. So anyway. I'm not denying that eventually yet. Right, you know what? I'm going to have to call time on this. <laughs> okay, because Anyway, so the play. I've just got to. John's nodding. Yeah, John's it's nodding. got to stop. It's a, yeah. it's a move on. I'm sorry, boy up. Anyway, it was, it's brilliantly cast. Uh, Toby Jones is in it. Zoe Wanamaker, brilliant. But I think the revelation who was really uplifting in what is otherwise a somber play, Question. Pearl is Mackie. it about an actual birthday party? Yeah. Yes. Right. But it may not be his birthday. And and it turns into a nightmare. Just deal with it. What? Yeah. It's the birthday party from hell. It is. So it's yeah. not a birthday party. It's bleak. It is. He, he, they threw a birthday party for him, the main character, played by the great Toby Jones. Yeah, I love Toby Jones. Yeah, who's phenomenal in it. And but he says it's not his birthday initially. And these strange men come in, played by Stephen Mangan and his mate. Yeah. And they insist it is his birthday. So that's part of the whole enigma of the play. Is having is there, an enforced birthday yes, party. Yes, it is that's an that's enforced terrible. birthday party. Steph, that's the least confusing part of the whole thing. That's the thing. I came out and I was a, I was a bit scared to say to Boyd, oh, I don't really understand what happened. And then thankfully he just said, yep, yeah, it is quite a mystifying It's bit. an allegory. So the okay. whole the play is, it's essentially about um, 
is about how if you fit into society, it's about do you fit into society, and if you do, you can kind of glide by and you won't be affected. Toby Jones' character doesn't. He's a misfit. He's single. He's living in this boarding house. He doesn't play by the rules. And in come these people to enforce. They're enforcing their own rules by giving him a birthday party. By giving the birthday party. So the birthday party party is a device. Yeah, but they also kind of torture him psychologically. There's a kind of game played. This sounds horrible. It is. It is traumatic. And I saw it on a Friday night. Came out of the theatre. Date night with Boyd, uh, depressing yeah. as hell. It is bleak, oh, but I think it's so good, is my review of it, that the bleakness in the end, you're uplifted because it's so good. I thought it was really good. And Pearl Mackey from Out of Doctor Who oh, is like fantastic, um, who is this, again, an ambiguous figure who gets who gets involved in this horrendous Yeah, she plays party. Lulu. She's a breath of fresh air, frankly. She's great. Yeah. Um, I'm not wow. going to tell you about the other thing I've seen because I've just talked too much, so I'll tell you next time. You can quickly say it. No, no, it's fine. Okay. Birthday party, strongly recommended. What was it called? The other thing you saw? Yeah, I Big Sick. Oh, I did. You, oh, yeah, did you I watched watch Big Sick, which yeah. I have to say. Did you watch it after I'd rec- thoroughly recommended it? Yeah, I did. Oh, thanks. And it's okay. it very good. But I'll talk about that properly next week. Maybe give me a review of it. Okay. I mean, case case self editing as we. I am on. because listen, we went on too much about the ice cream. Yeah. I mean, it's a I didn't on. bring it up. No, that is noted. Okay, that is noted. You didn't bring it up. But this week. It. Um, I have been watching X Files is back, which oh, is yeah, that the screening we could you have went rev- to where they didn't give you any water? It is the screening where they didn't give me any water, okay. um, <laughs> and then um, it's now available to, for us to watch. It's coming up on Channel Four, Channel Five. Sorry, Channel Four, Channel Five. Channel Four would not have that now. Next uh, Monday, and. We were, I suggested to review it, but then I realised that the two of you have no interest in it whatsoever. I used to watch it when it Did first you? came out. When oh, okay. It was good. Well, all I'd say is because when, when it came back um, for six new episodes two years ago, it was a big revival, very belatedly. It was pretty terrible. It was pretty, It was terrible. It was terrible. But this one, I really liked the, the first episode of the new series. And um, I've watched some more, and it's really good. I really, I think it's Isn't totally. Isn't Scully leaving? Scully, this is the last series ever for um, Gillian Anderson Scully, yeah. So, I mean, hopefully it'll be the last ever series. But they've got these two new characters that they could kind of create new stories for them only. Oh, no, yeah. don't. Maybe they will. So, but I, I thought it was really good, The X-Files. So that, that's like the best, best thing that's going to be on Channel 5 ever, apart okay. from Will and Grace. Oh, what Will and I Grace say, is on what Fridays. What did I say to you, boys? No, you not if you're a Will being... and Grace fan, it's fine. But at last, there's something worth watching on Channel 5. I think this is a huge Will thing. Will and Grace is good. Yeah, it's no, if, you, if you're a fan, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a move on. The editor. I'm going to call you the editor from now on. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention is I interviewed... Um, Josh O'Connor this week, who is one of the nominees for the BAFTA Rising Star Award. From the Durrells. From the Durrells, yes. yes. He's in the Durrells. Mm. He's the hot young guy from the Durrells. What he is, What's he been nominated for, though? He's been nominated Wanda? for God's Own Country. Right. Do you remember when this came out in the cinemas, I mentioned mm. it. It's the, it's the gay romance oh, set yeah, in the bleak the Yorkshire, Yorkshire Dales. Right. Yes. And he's a farmer. But I interviewed him. He was so nice and he was so interesting. Uh, you'll see the results of that interview in Two Weeks Time in Heat, right. the week before the BAFTAs. But... Um, it was uh, so many interesting things he, said, he told me. He trained to be a farmer for three months. He became a farmer oh. during the filming, so much so that he was farming day in, day out. So when they were filming a scene, they would film a big scene, and instead of going back to his trailer, it, he, the, the farmer Go who trained him would call him up saying, can you come and deliver this lamb? And he would. That's He'd brilliant. go off and deliver the lamb. And so the he farmer, can milk a cow. He can Everything. He could do all of it. This is the one that's a bit like Brokeback Mountain, yeah, the Yorkshire version. it's better than Brokeback Mountain. Better than yes. Port. Sorry, I'm, I'm saying it. I'm ever so sorry. Anyway. So the reason I mentioned two reasons I mentioned it is he was a, he was a brilliant and, and fascinating, and all the yeah. stuff he told me about the making of it was fascinating. Mm-hmm. And you, and the DVD is out this week, oh. so it's out this week on DVD and Blu-ray and all of that and digital download and everything. God's Own Country is for me one of the films of last year. 
quite rightly nominated for Best British Film at the BAFTAs as well. And so watch it for, for that. What a fabulous story. What a fabulous yeah. ending. Yeah. Great ending. How about that? Wonderful. And so let's turn to the meat of the podcast with our big in-depth reviews. And I think this first one, The Bold Type, is one of the most heat-appropriate shows we've ever done. Steph, ever, ever. Because it is set in a magazine for women, isn't it? It's a fake magazine. Tell us more. Okay. So, based, inspired by the life of Joanna Cole's former editor-in-chief of fashion magazine Cosmopolitan. If you like those fashion magazines, you'll know it well. Okay, she is now, oh, it says here she's now current chief content officer of Hearst Magazines. Good for you. Rival, rivals, you, not, not as good as Bauer, but rivals. No, no clearly not. <laughs> So basically, this is a magazine, a fake magazine called Scarlet, set in New York. Um, and it's all about three young whippersnappers uh, trying to climb the ladder of magazine success. One of them is a uh, like a, a PA to one of the yeah. other editors. One of them is an inspiring writer and it starts, she's just got her first writing job. And the other girl, and this really just could not, I could not stop laughing about it. She is the head of of social, the social content. So it's actually a social, social. Editor, head of social, which is the Twitter and the Instagram and all of those things, just in case you didn't know. So it's about their friendship. So they're three best friends. And as they keep saying, like they can't believe that the people that they worked with, they became their best friends. Um, and they all started as assistants together. Um, and this is a glorious floor of um, beautiful women. And it's got like, they've got like a bit, it's very Devil Wears Prada. There's like a big, fashion cupboard where they're allowed to just borrow stuff or just like have secret meetings in there and there's a bit of a love interest for one of the girls and yeah that's basically mm, it that is basically it this show um is so the show's on amazon prime here over here and it starts on the 9th of february next next week but they've acquired it. it's already been on in america so this first is already finished it's on the freeform channel which Ooh. is one of the more obscure channels, I think. Yeah, do you it's, know how it was received? Well, yeah, this is, it's, it, it's like Freeform is Disney's kind of channel for women, young women, like yes. kind of teenagers and above. So, so that puts in some context. Clearly yeah. they've decided this is the world that those people are interested in. It's Devil yeah. Wears Prada-ish, isn't it? Mm. Um, and it's like Devil Wears Prada, Ugly Betty-ish. Sex in the City. Sex in the City. Yeah. She's all of those. It's like yeah. a mashup of those three, right. actually. And it has been a hit for them, for Freeform. Yeah. But Freeform is, you know, is this kind of small, kind of niche channel. So, But they've commissioned two more series already. Um, so it's a hit for them. They're right, showing on Amazon Prime here. Kay, what did you think? Um... So I don't think I'm the target audience for this. I think you are. No, no. no I think this is isn't. aimed. I think this is aimed at like young twenties. Yeah. Um, young women with no prior knowledge about the media industry and journalism. That's what I think. Because I, I think it portrays like magazine journalism in a very, you know, fairy tale. You know, this is what it's like. At least my experience hasn't been similar to that. But. There are, are no, hold on a minute. There are, right, now Kay and I, we talked about this a little bit earlier that there were a few well, things. Well, that's against the rules. But, right, there <laughs> no. are, Kay and I belong to a small group of women um, who we are called the Ass Gang and we were all assistants at one time. Yeah, um, which at Heat Magazine. Ass, right, okay, so we, at Heat Magazine. So there's, We all jo joined at the same time. Yeah. We were all on, like, lo lower paid jobs. We all, like, stuck so together. So we all gathered so, together yeah. and we, like, helped each other so through. Like the, th like the three girls yeah, in the sim show. Similar. Yeah, similar. Yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. Except, on except, the, do you stand there on the subway except, and the underground right. and do you all scream at the same time when a train comes on, which is the opening scene? Crucially, none of the glamorous things no. that happen in this happen to us. Champagne in the fashion no. cup, and more likely just like you know, mingling with the mice and like, yeah, some mini cheddars, Crying. sobbing, sobbing, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, 
The camaraderie of the girls yes. is very is very similar. But I just I have probably a bit of an issue with like these kind of young women tottering around <laughs> in like absolute designer head to toe, like not a hair out of place. Um, I, I, I obviously that's not what the have magazine. You, you've world been up is. to Grazia. You've seen Grazia. Yeah, they're not like that. <laughs> they? I no. think they're a bit. No, some of them they're are. Not. I've seen them in the list. And also the cru- other crucial thing about this is Kay. I think you would have picked up on this. Um, there's this, the editor does a speech at the end, and she says. You know, we've got a circulation of three million, and our reach is like seven seven million. And I'm like, well, that's just completely unrealistic. That's just not the way it works now. I thought the script was bad, the acting was bad, oh, um, and the plot was bad. I really, I just I'm such a nitpicker. Yeah, yeah, I know. Just the script, just, the acting, and the plot. I just found it so. Come on. There was a certain so plot unrealistic. In this. I mean, there's a. And the cheesy dialogue. So there's a scene where like someone goes, there's a lot more to a woman than what you can see on, on the outside. And then the person responds, yeah, I know, because there's a lot more to me inside too. It's like, it's just so cheesy. It is it's just so like, um, the editor for me, I mean, we've been supported by a lot of, you know, strong female editors and mm-hmm. supportive editors. However, I mean, this editor is unlike any that I've ever experienced before in terms of the amount of time she has to dedicate to this young intern turned staff writer in like squeezing <laughs> out ideas from her and really nurturing, hand-holding her. I mean, how much time does this lady have The, the great, you've, the best scene, come on, the best scene in it, in the whole first episode is when said editor is trying to said new, new writer in the said fashion cupboard, <laughs> in comes said editor's assistant oh to say, yeah, yeah, Beyonce's yeah. on the this phone and she goes hold on tell her i'll call her back <laughs> that's exact. that is the and bit that and that like... bit i thought this is ju- this is genius. all i'm saying is and, I... and then the assistant goes beyonce knowles it's beyonce knowles it's not just any old fucking you're beyonce. Just it home. it's beyonce knowles i've never had a conversation with my editor where like they phoned up with the equivalent i don't know vicky patterson and then say put vicky on hold you know like i just i, I just had, you would though i you? had a vicky real beyonce. issue with one of the plot lines which was the plot line of um a, a lesbian photographer Muslim sorry a Muslim lesbian photographer and it was it had horrible shades of sex in the city um, oh when they went to Dubai to, yeah the Dubai one where Sex and the City 2 Sex and the City 2 one of the worst films ever made yeah. yeah and it was like I mean I'm just I, this is not a, really a spoiler <laughs> basically it gets to a point where which involves her smuggling vibrators for this girl and it's just it's just awful. I really feel like. It could, it, but the frustrating thing is, it could have been so good. So like, it could have been like, if it was as gritty or real as Girls, amazing. Or if it was like as glossy as like Gossip Girl, it'd be right. But it just falls in this in between stage. Hey, do you know what? This is the thing, right? Yeah. I completely agree with you, and it's not for me. But I think the whole point is actually, I think if I was fifteen years younger, I would love this show. I don't think you would. Because it is incredibly... Oh. I think if you were... (laughs) He knows you better than you know. No, I'll tell you for why. If you were 15 years younger and you'd had a frontal lobotomy, then you might enjoy (laughs) it. But oh my God, Bill, wow. You are an intelligent human being. Even I'm 15, not, even I'm when you, you were, you were, inte- you liked, th- this is what, it, it put, for me, it was, I was expecting it to be a bit like Sex and City, a bit like um, The Devil Wears Prada. Girl, I mean, girl, I mean, Girls is a, is a genius program. So yeah, Girls is, I wasn't don't even But Sex and the City, when, it's, when it was a TV show, do you remember? I mean, yeah. I, you know, it was a good, it was, it was a wittily yeah. scripted, you know, convincingly performed thing. It was still complete fantasy world because it was about like columnists lives in incredible, yeah. you know, lavish apartment. Yeah, it was smart. It was smart. That's the word. This is moronic. I mean, it is moronic. And so I don't think I don't think even a smart 15 year old like blogger, you know, into really? this stuff. I think they're going to yeah, think, I think, so. and also, I think, they're they think it's embarrassing. Really, like, yeah. They do these really um, 
heavy-handed like um, signposts at being young, like oh Snapchat, Snapchat. Yes, she kept on banging on about Snapchat. Oh yeah, I was like, oh, God, oh God, okay, we got it. To use Snapchat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I do. I've think got a Snapchat I, of Beyonce on the phone. If, this is, if this is a portrayal, of, I can, like angsty twenty-year-old. I hate too, them all. It, as you've both made you, clear, it's too bad to be yeah. I think I think it's a bit of an insult for the intelligence of those people it's aimed at because as you say it's it's it, it, it's interesting it does fo- makes you focus on how hard it is to get these things right so if, I'm not bothered about the detail of it you know I think I, mean, we, I think for all of us it feels like the magazine no I'm not I wouldn't be bothered if it was vaguely well written and well written from scene to scene but every scene feels stilted and not quite right just in terms of in, just in terms of the performances and the dialogue and every, it all feels off doesn't it to me even, even the scenes like there's a, the, the, one of the girls is having an affair with a bigwig in the company he's mm. got to keep it secret because it's dodgy for him to have an affair with the young woman even those scenes are really are not aren't convincing and, like and so she, I'm like, like when well, she says I deserve to be taken right, on dates right <laughs> so it's like I just thought oh my god it makes the Devil Wears oh, Prada shoot me now Devil Wears Prada feels like a masterpiece well, I, I do can, I can see that there is an audience for this I absolutely can I can see that there's uh, people I think we know the industry so well from being in the industry I do think some people still believe that the industry is a bit like that and no do not watch it I, I, I think some people will <laughs> oh, I, yeah, think I think people young, do believe nobody that nobody who listens to this will like it okay. <laughs> I do but I, I'm just saying okay. to be fair I do think there is an audience for it well clearly because it's, it's done well it's done well in, in America, America. I think people. I think even, I have a problem. I yeah. also do, and uh, uh, this is always brought up with American things. I have a real problem with young these young Americans portrayed of having limitless funds, amazing apartments, yeah. and amazing clothes. That yeah. to me is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. And also, I can see it doing well in America. I just don't think the Brits are going to like. I don't think anyone will take this well. <laughs> anyone? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Anyone? I, don't know. I just. I, think I mean, someone is... will like it. Okay, yeah. Steph's going to watch it to the end then. Anyway, watch it to the end and give us your analysis. If you okay, if you feel you're one of those people who may like it, it starts on the Amazon Prime. All ten episodes drop slash arrive slash what did, what do we use? Plonk, 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 plonk. On uh, next Friday the 9th of February. There we go. I mean, you know, maybe you'll like it. I thought it was. No, I don't think anyone will like it. Terrible. I don't think anyone will. Oh, like it, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying I do think there is an audience somewhere. Well, it, no, I, it, it's done well. In, it's already got two more series commissioned. So, yeah, you are two right. Two more? Factually, you're right. Okay, in right. America. Yeah, all right. I'm giving it two stars. I think it's a three. Oh, generous. I, yeah, because I just, I, I, I know, I thank you for thinking I was intelligent at all when I was younger. But I could, I could imagine that I would watch this when I was 15 and be like, oh, this looks te- fun. <laughs> I think you have to judge it on the age you are at now. Well, at 36, it's absolute tripe. <laughs> I really enjoyed the Beyonce's on the phone moment. So I'm going to no. give it one star for that. God, you really hated it. I really this. hated it. I wouldn't have made it through if I hadn't, in fact, professionally we had to finish the first episode. Yeah, me too. Wow. The bold type. That's the bold type. From fantasy to reality, in many ways, Kay, because our second programme of an in-depth review fame is Flatpak Empire. What the hell is this about, Kay? It's about Ikea, or Ikea, as your mum calls it. Ikea. Ikea, Ikea, Ikea apologia. Um, it's, yeah, it's a three-part series, and it's just basically a documentary about Ikea. So, like, it takes us um, to Sweden, where it was invented, obviously, and they have they show us their 12 design. I can't believe, actually, they only have 12 designers who make everything, who come up with everything. And every day, they're, like, brainstorming, coming up with new ideas, pitching on a weekly basis to see what gets, you know eventually made and what gets you know discarded and then we get to see the um local stores in the uk um 
the IKEA museum, which I didn't know was a thing in Sweden, where you get to see, you know, that everything whole, about what, the history of IKEA. That, that whole town, which is just uh, basically IKEA town. Elmhut. Yeah. yeah. Where it was all invented by yeah, Mr. Ikea. Swedish town. Um, and, oh, importantly, in the first episode, we get to see the invention of a sofa bed um, and a collaboration. Okay. A bed sofa. Thank you. <laughs> and um, we get to see the... F- it's the first time that Ikea are collaborating with an um, external designer. Tom Dixon. Tom Dixon. Legend. Yeah. Much of the jeopardy is in whether it is a sofa bed it's, or a bed sofa. Oh, yeah. It's the great storyline. Yeah. Is it a bed sofa? Is it a sofa bed? Mm, Is it just a a sofa? Is it a bed? You've nutshelled it. You've nutshelled it. It's um, it is that is the most interesting thing, isn't it, about this first episode? So, they Tom Dixon is one of is is probably one of the most widely admired and respected British designers, Mm -hmm. and he nowadays he's done stuff for Habitat before and high end stuff. And he special, and he's got his own business now. And if you you know you can buy Tom Dixon objects, they're expensive. very expensive. So they've tapped into they they're wanting to branch out. They've collaborated with him, so they approach him to design stuff for them. And he's come up with this adaptable thing that he considers first and foremost to be a bed because he's obsessed with how beds are the main place we all retire to and the main place he's to spend so much time. He's obsessed it. with this bloody bed. So he creates this bed that can be adapted into a sofa and all that comes up, you can hang bits off it and he wants it to be all adaptable. And there's a very, I thought, increasingly funny... It's hilarious. St- um, ...storyline of... They, they, it turns out that it can't be a bed because it doesn't pass the safety requirements well, for they a Well, they didn't do they didn't the safety do the testing safety test. for a bed. They did it as a sofa. So as far as Ikea's concerned, they've got to call it a bed. He, they don't really tell him that until they all arrive for the big show-off of it, the big premiere of this effing bed, it's sofa, sofa bed. It's such a great bed. climax. Uh, it's a great close, isn't it? And he's quite angry about the whole thing, isn't it? So I'm not sure yeah. if I ever want to come back and display this thing because I'm fed up with going on about it. Yeah, yeah but it's a classic thing where like, there's a germ of idea. It hasn't yeah. been talked through thoroughly. They go down a different route, but don't think to tell him. And then it's all there all walking on eggshells of like, when should we tell Tom? Oh, let's not tell him till the great exhibition. It's like, you are crazy. On the surface, this show sounds complete. Like, why on earth would you watch it? Oh, but, no, really? But I think it's I like, immediately... oh, it's a, show, so it's a show about Ikea. No, no I I, that's what I mean. I like, Ikea is such a phenomenon, isn't it? I know, but... Would you you'd think maybe an hour long special? You wouldn't think three parts of like a, yeah, that's but, true. That's true. But it is absolutely gripping. 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 It is gripping. It really, really is. I mean, I found the whole thing fascinating. They go into detail about there's the the first store in Warrington that they go yes. back, and this guy who has worked at IKEA for thirty years and still like still yeah. works there. He's like fancies himself as the Peter K of yeah. IKEA. Oh god, oh, he was my only. If I had, a, I was a little oh. bit like it was a bit. That Warrington <laughs> store, which is the original UK store. So they have 19 stores in the UK. And uh, yeah, I found that bit in forced fun was the only bit that I was like, oh. I oh, I found it fascinating because I didn't realise that that was the first store and it had been open for 30 years. But anyway, I, the whole thing I thought was like weirdly gripping. Yeah. I found it. What's that show? Um, it did start to feel like that um, that show, which is a little bit faux documentary, where people the are about the BBC. No, what's the BBC? Oh, one? W1A. It did feel a bit. Yeah. Do- start to feel yeah. a bit W1A. Because yeah. it used. Yeah. It, it, so it made me laugh a lot, but I, like the stress that these desire like designers are under when they're thinking about what they should tell Tom Dixon about <laughs> yeah. whether it didn't pass the sofa <laughs> yeah. bed test. Have you told Tom it yeah. can't be a if it can't <laughs> be a sofa it can't be a bed it's got to be oh, sofa. God, no, so, we haven't told him yet. No. So awkward. It's, it is funny. My favourite bit is when they, they've got this thing called the Catalogue Council. And um, basically, there's this woman who's in charge of every like year creating the um, catalogue cover. Sarah Blockfist. Yeah, and she comes up with these, all these innovative ideas. And she, like, she really takes, she's very passionate, right? And then she has to convince a board of like 
people who make these decisions who aren't Swedish as, people. Yeah, aren't mm -hmm. as creatively minded as she is. And it's so excruciating and it really reminded me of times when Steph and I over the years, you know, we have to come up with these creative concepts for photo shoots and you know, we think of some what we think are very ingenious. Get all excited, get all hopped up. Yeah, innovative ideas and then you kind of pitch it to the people in charge and they're like But the difference not showing your vision. But the difference between this her job is to Come up with to design and come up with the cover for this um, for this brochure, which they which they print tens of I think is it thirty five no, no. million. Last year they made two hundred and three million copies. Three million mm. copies of this. There's thing. more copies but printed I, than the Bible. So it's fair enough, isn't it? They do convene like yes. this big meeting, but the tension. The as tension to whether, so is. She oh. builds this set, which looks like a front room, someone's yeah. front room. She fills it with models of all eight ages, yeah. races. Because and she, she wants, wants it to be alive. Yes. She has a and vision. So, the, again, the tension as to whether she's going to get but, this past these, these tough also, Swedes is you, palpable. But you've got a another layer of tension in the fact that she gives you her backstory in that she was yeah. adopted. Yes. So, you're like, feel for this woman because she's like, oh, I was brought up in a very harsh circumstances in the career. And then I was adopted by a beautiful woman and now I have this wonderful life. And so, you're like, oh, well, I'm totally on board with you because you had a terrible life and career. And now you want to make the IKEA catalogue the best thing ever to reflect how wonderful life is. Oh. It was also just amazing getting an insight into the play, the photography studio in Sweden that they shoot. Because this catalogue takes nine months to create. Isn't that insane? Yeah. It's busy work. What I would say <laughs> it's is... It's a lot of pages. <laughs> lot hundreds of pages. 305 million copies. There wasn't enough time deal. focusing on the canteen for my liking, though. Because I want maybe that'll come in episode meatball two. Meatball man. Meatball man. He wants to go. Yeah, His dream is the man who makes the meatballs... <laughs> whose dream it is to go to the hometown of Ikea, meet Mr. Ikea, but and he's tried three times before and they've turned him down every time. Another moment of excellent tension. No, There's three big storylines. <laughs> <laughs> will he get to Ikea will land? Will he get to Ikea land? What will happen with the catalogue and yes. the Tom Dixon? Yes. Yeah, it's true. It's absolutely... And I have to say, these people who work at Ikea... They love working oh at my Ikea. God. Which is lovely to see, I thought. It yeah. is so refreshing. Although, when, when they hand out, there's a funny bit at the end, again, no spoilers, where, where they hand out the new the new brochure to the Warrington yeah. stuff. And you do look, look what, is this? what is this? Why am I so obsessed with this stuff? Yeah. I don't know. That's my interpretation. Or maybe that's just I, me. But I thought this was, a, this was an absolutely object lesson into how to make a documentary, an observation documentary, Interesting, great storylines. It felt real. It didn't feel like they're trumped yeah, up the storylines. None of it felt lines. forced, yeah. yeah. I thought no. it was brilliant. It was, it was, yeah. I found it very funny as well. Very funny. How many stars? So Flatback Empire is, by the way, is on BBC Two from a week today, Tuesday the 6th of February at 9 of the p.m., my brother's birthday. Kay, how many stars are you giving it? Um, between three and a half and four. I'm going to go four, actually. Four stars. Good to get live um, thinking yeah, about it how really, it's going to go. it really is. Yeah. I'm going to give it four. I'm only not giving it five because um, I want to punish them for all the furniture that I've had that I've not been able to put together before in the past. Okay, I'm giving it four and a half. I thought it was great, yeah. Flatpak Empire, finally, in sharp contrast. Yeah, this is the sharp contrast. Six Oscar nominations. Daniel Day-Lewis's last ever film, apparently, is retiring. Now, right, is it? Or is he just trying to hype us all up? Well, I have no insight into his brain. Call him, Boyd. I haven't got the power of extrasensory perception, but he... Well, we can go on. This is what he said. He said this is his last film. I didn't realise he was married to the daughter of Arthur Miller. He's married to the daughter of Arthur Miller, Rebecca Miller. Yeah. Yeah, who's a great actress in her own right. Yeah, she is. Um, this is uh, directed by uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, who previously directed DDL in There Will Be Blood. One of my favourite films. That's a great film. Brilliant Haven't film. seen it. Where he's the... It will shock you to hear. Well, you can find it on, find it on iTunes or wherever. Okay, fine. 
Um, and it's and I'm gonna, I'll explain what this is about. So it's set in 1950s. Like it's it is to say this is we, you know you know Paul Thomas Anderson for his very American rooted in Americana, mm-hmm. aren't they? Really, there we mm-hmm. was about the mining yeah. of oil, the mining of oil, yeah. um, and other, Boogie Nights was about the porn industry in mm-hmm. the 70s and 80s, and uh, Magnolia was about kind of just God all kinds knows. of aspects God of what LA life. About. Um, all kinds of things. An absolute masterpiece. This is set in London in the fifties, and is about Daniel Lewis's character is a obsessive dress designer called Reynolds Woodcock, great name, mm. who meticulously designs these high couture dresses for elite clients, including like minor members of royalty mm-hmm. and very very rich women. Basically, that's that's what he does with a whole team of people who are all in this house where he lives with his sister Cyril. Played by the great Leslie Manville. Oh. Who did she? Who was she once married to? Do you know? Oh no, who? She was married to Gary Oldman. She Ooh. was yes. not. Yes, that's a good what fact. Happened there, then? And the great fact is, very well. What actually happened is he he um, left her after they about three months after they had a, their baby. Yeah, that's <gasps> Why what happened. Did he, do that? he was young. What they were both shit. young. <laughs> I think they were in their early twenties and stuff. Oh, so, God, so they but what's fascinating? The they've both <gasps> been nominated for Oscars oh. this year, so it's pretty exciting. Do you think they speak to each other? Well, they they do speak to each other. Yeah, they're co-parents, so I think they're quite friendly now. Yeah, it's all fine. Is but, she remarried? Uh, she found. I think she is remarried. Yeah, has she? Yes, yes. And had, had more children. Yes, we're getting sidetracked. I wish. Sorry, I, had I just was so Lizzie Manville, who's brilliant. And so she plays his sister, and she kind of keeps the whole thing going, the whole operation going. She's like his main, almost assistant, isn't she, to his life, like life assistant. Mm. She's kind of... She bosses him about. Well, yeah, that's true. She keeps the whole thing ticking along. Into their world. So he's right from the beginning. You see him with an an old girlfriend who's dispensed with in the first five minutes, pretty much. She's already irritating him at breakfast. There's loads of breakfast scenes, Mm. aren't there, in this film. And then he meets, he goes off, he's got another place in the country, he goes off to his place in the country and he meets this waitress who bumbles around, played by Vicky Creeps, who is pretty much a newcomer, I think. Mm. And he kind of immediately is obsessed with how she looks. Yeah, I haven't seen her in anything before. No, I think she's pretty new, yeah, I think she's pretty new. So he brings her in to the house and starts immediately designing dresses for her because she's got this incredible, she's kind of statuesque, beautiful look. And from then on, it's about how their relationship develops. And it's kind of about... So I've seen this three times now, this film. I should get, lay my cards on the table. Wow. The first time I saw it, I didn't. I was kind of annoyed by it because it felt to me a bit like um, There Will Be Blood. In that film, Daniel Day-Lewis is an egomaniac, rich, like Citizen Kane figure who's ultra-powerful and loves all his power and kind of abuses w- women a bit, you know, and he just abuses other gen- people generally and is a difficult weird guy and in this is a difficult weird mm, guy all over similar, again yeah. so I thought oh, this is just the same kind of thing but then and then I thought oh, when I watched it again I thought I've totally missed the point of it so I think it's mm. kind of all about this and what happened the third time you watched it the third time I watched it I just enjoyed it how okay, brilliant it was good. that's giving away what I think of it it's kind of about how this extraordinary egomaniac who loves the fact that he is this great artist designer of these dresses and has this whole life meticulously laid out and his whole routine in comes this new woman who's not going to take his shit mm. and it's kind of about how does she negotiate this power relationship between the two of them so she can finally be the person who niggles into it and stops mm. his complacent power drive for dominating mm. people in his life and that's and I find that completely fascinating extraordinary and with that one you can't give anything away but the way she does it is so interesting mm. the way she kind of makes him a new kind of makes him out a new person she creates a new version of him or finds depths within him that other no one else has yeah. found and I thought that was incredible so I think this is a complete masterpiece yeah what do you two think I think the same as you I think it's kind of like 
masterful in its subtle manipulation of these characters. Oh, that's quite, that's Very quite, good. A, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, quite a surprise. Yeah, shot good my, one. Shot myself there. <laughs> oh, sorry. I think I won't talk for the rest of the episode. You've summed up better what I was trying to say for about the last 10 yeah, minutes. It, it, it's, you really get drawn into the lives of these characters. And I felt, now this is why it sounded a bit stupid, I felt like I really understood both of them. By the end of this film, I was like, I understand yeah. both of these people deeply. And that is testament to the way that the whole thing is filmed. Uh, just the subtle movements of um, Daniel Day-Lewis's face. He is just so enchanting as an actor, but she is as well. Mm. And you can understand, you almost... You understand how they feel about each other completely because there isn't really anything else to this about apart from their relationship. Because yep. there isn't, is there? There's really nothing else. It feels like watching a chess game of a relationship. Yeah. Mm. You know, like as in the various power pieces. play. Yeah, it's total mm. power play. And so obviously it is this intense study in into this like highly strung artist because that's what he considers himself to be and the effect that this love interest has on him yeah. and his psyche and and it, but for me like because as Steph says very little happens other than that I mean it's, it is about their relationship and stuff I was kind of like just watching it I was like yeah this is okay <laughs> but it's in the last 20 minutes that piqued my interest right. because you kind of get to understand the dynamic of their relationship much more. And then that's when it becomes, for me, really fascinating because I was like, oh, okay. And you realize actually there's a kind of codependency um, which is very interesting. Well, he's yeah. so invested in being this kind of immovable force, isn't he? And he has been throughout his whole life. And it's kind of just the, the very subtle movements yeah. that mean that he's kind of shifted away from, from and he becomes kind of shifted into a very uncomfortable place within his own skin whereas actually he's very happy being the kind of the bachelor that he is and he doesn't want anybody to change and he, he yeah he and says in the middle, at one point in the film he says i'm confirmed bachelor i'm never going to marry yeah. Him, blah, 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 yeah um but i leslie manville what a, oh. i mean my god she's so sensational in yeah. this i can't i, no. I just it's I, it's like a meticulous, isn't it? It's like yeah, so the the is. whole mm. way that it's, he filmed himself. So he's the director of photography, Paul Thomas Anderson, for the first yeah. time. It, um, it's it, it's claustrophobic because a huge amount of it is set in this mansion house where they're all cluttering up and down the mm. the steps, which is the, the sound of it, the music. The, the, can I say something about the music? One of the things that I made me love it so much yeah. was that the music plays. Throughout, Constantly. there is no Incredible. point where the music Johnny stops. Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead. And they must win an award it for is that, right? I think, absolutely wonderful. It is yeah. really beautiful yeah. the way that, that it does that. Yeah. It's, it is it's stunning. Brilliant. Sorry, Boyd. So on. everything about it is this, is this claustrophobic, obsessive, meticulous, and the whole form of the film, the way it's shot and the way it's edited, yep. and the intense close-ups of Leslie Manville's face and his face and the three of them really in their power play, as you say. Is so brilliantly done, kind of, and it's mirroring. Because I was thinking, why? When you first noticed, like, why is Paul Thomas Anderson even interested in the fashion design? Because it's it's this this particular version of fashion, isn't it? It's the ho ho haute, haute, haute couture. couture. It's his you see his little his fingers threading the needle. Mm. It's the kind of obsessiveness of it. That, Didn't you tell me that he did actually yeah. train to so, be? And I read the interview with Paul Thomas Anderson this week in Sight and Sound, the, the, the posh film magazine, and basically Daniel Day Lewis became a proper, fully trained fashion designer. He can now make coach couture dresses. Maybe no that's kidding. what he's doing. He's retiring to I mean, come full time. Honestly, Paul Thomas Anderson said, you know, no exaggeration. I worked with for three months a fashion designer called Daniel Day Lewis, who wow. was in my film. I mean, like I was saying before about the mm. farmer, he he's so method. 
that he's completely within that coat. So he speaks, he's got cut glass, I almost royal yeah. accent. I love his voice so posh. so yeah. much. So I, all of that, he kept that up relentlessly, day in, day out, throughout the whole making of this I think film. he'd have to learn it to be that, because in order to be that pernickety yeah. as a character. Yeah, and he's like little cuts on his fingers where he's, you yeah, know, with yeah, the needles. Yeah. It's an incredible, and it's unique. It's like, I can't, there's nothing it like it. Unique, That's the thing, yeah. you know, because what you're, what you're alluding to, which we can't give away, but yeah. that thing that happens in the end, it all builds up to this mm. ending, which is a whole new thing about him, yeah. isn't it? Like yeah. his, his personality, his psychology. It's Pedro yeah, it's a bit Almodovarsk, I think. The, thematically, Ooh. it is. Yeah, I think that's really yeah. true because, it, yeah, like, you know, they kind of find, and there's a sexual element to it. That's the thing. Mm. And in, in, when it was being talked to before anyone had seen it, people also say it's a bit like a kind of almost like an S&M type thing and people were expecting it to be explicitly. It's kind of totally subtly kind of is in the end without giving it too much but away. But what's weird is that their there's relationship se- yeah. throughout seems quite asexual, yeah. but it's sensual. Yes, Yes. Um, and it's the psychology of it, it is, that they're both turned on by, yeah. if I can like say that he's for spent, one He's spent his life kind of... He's sort of punishing himself. There is like an element yeah. that he's yeah, so, punishing yeah. himself because he's not allowing himself to have kind of unbridled joy and he never has. And he's not, like I said, he's not going to... He's not going to change. He's not going to change for anyone. No. He doesn't want right. to no. at all. Crucially, he does no. not want to. And he has built around him a, a group of women, um, including his sister, who understand that yeah. and accept that and are uh, not willing to yeah. try and change him. Completely. But, there, but then there's, some, again, without wanting to, there's a brilliant, spre- there's a lot of these scenes at breakfast where he wants to just focus on get, writing down his thoughts and he's annoyed by the loudness with which the, 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 his girlfriend scrapes the butter on the toast. I can relate to that. Munch- that can be annoying. <laughs> yeah, Munching be loudly, annoying. it's come he's on. He's so irritated by those side things. It's funny. I think it's a comedy as well. There's a really funny bit. Do you remember you said not much happens? There's a brilliant little bit where he has to design the stress for this awful drunken woman <laughs> oh, who He's yeah. about to marry this really rich, quite handsome man. And that whole bit was hysterical. Mm. I thought it was so funny. And they have to go to a it's wedding. She literally like... she literally keels over because yeah. she's drunk at her own wedding. It's stuff that's constantly kind of... And it gets funnier and funnier as it goes on, I think. All the little scenes, the kind of little scenes where they're needling it, each other well, are funny. I, I wouldn't say funny. I'm not saying laugh out loud. Yeah, it's, it's not hilarious. <laughs> I mean, this is not a comedy. No. I, it's not a comedy. Right. And uh, controversially, I have to say, I don't think it's one that you necessarily need to see at the cinema. Ooh. I think, yeah, I don't. Oh, I don't, I don't know about that. I shot, wouldn't, I wouldn't we should say it's shot in, in his, now he shoots everything in 17mm, which is very deep, this like high quality on film. I mean, really the best way to see it was on, on the bigger screen you can okay, find. Okay, fine. If you're enough. into that kind of level of detail, go <laughs> see it. But all I'm saying just is, saying. watch it on DVOD. Oh, no, no, don't cheap. wait for it to come on DVD. No, I, I disagree with you. I would. Violently. I would. I would. I agree with you, actually, Boyd. And I hate, as you know, I hate to disagree with you. Yeah, Boyd. I understand. You hate to say I, my side in the. In the but three I do of us. think because of the. In this de- power play because, between the three of us. Because of the way that. I suppose that the he subject focuses is well on. Fashion as well. Because he, the way that he focuses on the face. Faces, yeah. the facial expressions are so important. Actually, no, I think you do need I to would see say those is, quite big. You can see and them on a screen of a of a television. Okay, I'm going to ask you to desist with this because yeah. Boyd and I have spoken, and we. You're right. When you cinema. see stuff on DVD, it just comes out black. There's nothing, nothing on the screen. Oh, oh shit. Oh. Do you know what? No more Satsumas for you. This is a bit like this is a bit like the scene in the film where yeah, um, find, yeah. find all the worm turns and Leslie yeah. Manville starts digging at him. Yeah. I feel in this scene you're she Leslie Manville. Take, she can't take it. I'm can she? Vicky Creeps and you're um, Daniel Day Lewis. Oh, am I? Oh, yeah, good. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, so. I'm, I'm glad yeah, I'm DDM. Yeah. Um, no, please go and see it in the cinema because it deserves to be a big hit as well. Yeah, and it it's does. And I'm really thrilled that it's got all these Oscars. Obviously, he's not going to win the Oscar because um, Gary Oldman, Leslie Manville's ex, is going to win for Ooh, Churchill. Oh, Leslie's going to be so pissed off. Um, I could go on about this film all day. I'm giving it uh, <laughs> three and a half stars. What? Okay. 
Oh, maybe I'll be persuaded for That is absolutely outrageous. I'm giving it four stars. I've had a rethink. The Do sound you can... Right. Boyd, don't. People on the ground. Boyd, this is not a five-star film. This is the sound of a man with his head in his hands. This is absolutely a beautiful film experience. It is 100% five-star. Oh, thanks, yes. I agree. It's I am like five stars all the way. Yeah. With the proviso, as Charles wrote in his review for Heat Magazine, Charles Gatton, our esteemed film reviewer, you may struggle to evolve a strong rooting interest for any of these characters. That is true. That was such a great Charles way of putting it. But I did care about them. I did too. I really cared about her. You may struggle to evolve. We all struggle to evolve at various points in our life. So that is um, Phantom Thread, two of us, Gave it five stars. Kay nearly gave it three until we physically stopped no, her. No, three and a half. I it's upped it to four. in cinemas, in a cinema near you, on Friday, this Friday, the 2nd of February. Mm. Go and see it. Leanne B. George's birthday. Oh. We've had two birthdays Perfect in. birthday treat. Take him. You, You'll I love will. it. He I loves will. a film about haute couture, oh, doesn't he? Oh, he just can't get enough of it. Yeah. He lives for it. Yeah. He lives for it. And finally, it's that time. It's question, question time. time. In honour of Flatback Empire, <laughs> the <laughs> observation documentary series about Ikea, what is the best thing about oh, IKEA? I love this question. It's my favourite of all time. Okay. Go to you first. Your idea. It was your big suggestion. Okay, so this was a tough one for me, guys, because I do really like those little pencils, right? I the free ones I, that you can steal. I never steal them. I sometimes do. Um, yeah, the little pencils. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, is it the meatballs? Or is it too the, obvious? Too obvious to me. Or is it the dime bar uh, cake? I'm going to have to go meatballs, guys. Oh. I, lo- I do love the meatballs. I love, you know, mm. I'm... I just can't, like, I can't go there and not have the meatballs without a portion of chips. That's it. Wow. Okay. Well, I mine is more about the experience. So my favourite thing about IKEA is when you go, right, I went to IKEA just for my wedding to get like some extra things from IKEA. And I had two gigantic trolleys. Worth. Like, honestly, I was like, God, this is going to be like two grand. This is ridiculous. Uh, I don't even need any of this stuff. <laughs> and I got to the till and do you know what? Do you know how much it was? Two trolleys, and they were huge. 89p. Okay, that's <laughs> ludicrous, okay? John does actually got his head in his hand. £249. Wow. I'm, I, I mean, mean I've got IKEA products coming out expensive. So no, for two you... massive trolleys, you can literally buy... Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. It's more that experience. <laughs> I do like getting to the till at IKEA and being like, God, this is going to cost a lot of money. It's like the reverse of going... We used to have a corner shop, didn't we? We'd go to... You'd have, every day you could have, have the same thing. One day it would be like £4.87. The next day it would be £9.80. It'd be, I've got the same thing that I had yesterday. IKEA is the reverse of that. Well, the Tom Dixon sofa bed, bed sofa is going to be about seven 800 quid. It's seven nine nine. Yeah. Um, before um, John keels over with um, boredom about IKEA... And my answer to this question is, I can't, I've never been to Ikea. What? <laughs> oh, oh my God, are you kidding me? What do you mean you've never been to Ikea? You're, I've never Boy, been. You're honestly a ridiculous when, human being. When Kay suggested this oh, as the God. question, as the I question, get, I nearly oh, said to her, I thought, Lord Fauntleroy no, 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 she suggested it. So I've got the question. And you're wearing an Ikea coloured jumper. Yeah, so you could work in Ikea today, boy. This is a supreme North Face collab jumper. Uh, it could be a work, still anyway, Ikea colour. When Kay suggested doing this question, I thought, I'm, I, my immediate thought was, I've got to tell her I've never you been. Are, I, then I thought, no, no, I'm going to keep it for the live revelation ridiculous. of the fact well, that I've never... Why have you never been? How have you survived at this age of 40 without going to Ikea? Have you never needed 57 candles that you'll only use once? No. Steph, do you know what? Up have until you... recently, he said to me he'd never been to the Morrisons <laughs> around the corner. You'd never been to... Where did... Oh, fuck. Well, you've yeah, never any shop, needed any shops you've never needed a light that takes seven hours to put together. No, these IKEA stores—they're miles away. Aren't they? they have to get yeah, in a car not. and drive. I don't drive either. So, so it's the whole Emirates. Sh- you go whole... there. Hold on a minute. What do you mean you don't drive? You don't drive because you don't have a car. You don't drive because you don't have a license. No, I don't drive. I don't drive. I haven't got a license. Yeah, so oh I, don't, I get. It's just <laughs> <the whole> th- <laughs> hold on a minute. Boyd Hilton has never been to IKEA and does not drive. No, yeah. 
Okay, I'm going to take you out in the car because you need to learn to drive. <laughs> Just take him to IKEA. Okay. Hey, Kate. That will be our new. That will be our Steph, new podcast. I Boyd learns I to neither drive. want to know how to drive nor want to go to IKEA, <laughs> and I don't eat meat, so the meatballs are neither here nor there. Right. Dime Tomorrow, birthday. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to put the L plates on. We're going to drive to <laughs> You're IKEA. Me. We're going to drive to IKEA, and then we're going to have a meatball lunch. Yeah, you can get him to drive around the car park. Yeah. People on the ground. If and you, that is your, if you your day. If you see a news story that a uh, <laughs> old man has been kidnapped at gunpoint. <laughs> By a crazed uh, Wearing a woman blue from Ikea Luton, jumper. Taken to the local Ikea and forced to eat meatballs. You'll know what's happened. All right? It, otherwise known as a fun day with Steph. Okay. okay. Do they even do veggie meatballs? I'm the sure they, they do. They don't. Don't be ridiculous. Oh. No, they don't. Apologies that I've never been to Ikea. Don't they do like macaroni cheese or something? What is the vegetarian There's option? nothing other than meatballs. <laughs> there is. Is there not? Anyway, that's we further. Have to move on. Right, okay. Uh, apologies for not we being able to take part in the uh, question time. Story, but I thought it was worth it to keep that revelation. I knew you'd like that revelation. I mean, yeah. I yeah. just, I actually cannot believe that. Man of the people, that's me. It's a buy for me. <laughs> oh, oh, it's the, a force. This is a rebellious. <laughs> you have been so. Kay is so annoyed about honesty. how long we've gone on for that she's saying You've goodbye. You've been really naughty I, this episode. I Kay. think the pogs will be on my side on this one. I don't know how many times we can go through where the boys well, going to go to IKEA or not. Well, maybe they want to hear that story about you getting the ice cream again. Hey, should we run through that again? Okay. So it was the break in the Harold Pinter. We should do a podcast extra, like you know, like extra deleted scenes where we get the full story of the yeah. ice cream debacle. Okay, let's do that, yeah. and then Kay can do the full dream yeah. of the stickies. Yeah. Okay, watch out for that, guys. There's going to be a bonus episode coming your All way right. soon. Okay, we'll be back <laughs> next week. Thank you very much. It's a goodbye from me. Bye. <laughs> it's a goodbye from me.